So glad you are with us today. We're in week four of our series from this day forward, and we're making five commitments that we believe will fail-proof our marriages. And if you're not married yet, we're trying to teach you some things that you can use to fail-proof your marriage in the, in the future. Week one, we talked about seeking God, and we said we're going to seek God with our spouse every day, and those who do that, their marriages are not only going to survive, they're going to thrive. So if you are married, you're going to seek God with your spouse every day praying together, seeking God. If you're not married, you're going to seek God, your number one, while you ask him to bring you a number two. You shouldn't be seeking a person as your number one because God created you to be filled only with his power and his presence. And so if you've got some person up there as number one, you're going to be disappointed your entire married life. But if you put God number one, then he brings that person as your number two. That's what we're looking for. The next week we talked about fighting fair and I heard from a lot of you that you don't really fight fair. And so if we're seeking God and we know that we're going to be praying, with those people every night, it's very difficult to throw shoes at somebody that you know you're going to pray with that night or to call them, you know, the wicked witch of the West or the evil demon from hell. Whatever it is that you tend to do, uh, it's hard to do that when you're seeking God every day. Then last week we talked about having fun. Can somebody cheer if they had a little bit of fun this week? I just want to know. If you don't know what we're talking about, you need to get the CD and, uh, it is, a, it is PG-13, so be sure. But um, we said that you're going to have fun face-to-face, side-to-side, and belly-button-to-belly-button. You remember, don't you? You remember. All right. Yeah, easy to remember. Today, we're going to talk about how to stay pure, and next week, we're going to talk about how never to give up. So y'all are a little flat right now, so I need a little bit of passion. We're going to put the five things on the, on the screen that we do uh, in marriage, and I want you to say them out loud. Ready? That's not bad, but I want people who get the CDs or listen online to hear it. So let's do it again. Ready? Very good. You're a good crowd. This is going to be fun today. Now, let's do a little survey. Whether you're married or not, how many of you have as a goal to, to commit adultery when you're married? Let me see your hands. Anyone? Anyone? No? Um, how many of you plan to get addicted to pornography when you're married? Let me see your hands. Anybody said that? That's my goal. That's one of the things I'm going to share in, in, in the wedding. So, no? Okay. Well, let's lower the bar a little bit. How many of you plan to have an emotional affair? And by an emotional affair, I mean you attach to someone who is not your spouse emotionally. And you give your heart to that person. You're not going to give it to your, to your husband or your wife because they've hurt you. You're just, you're going to, how many of you, that's your goal? Anyone? Now, that's interesting. Not a single person raised their hands, but statistics would say that at least half and maybe as many as 75% of you in this room will do at least one of those during your married life. Now, nobody wanted to volunteer for it. It's kind of crazy to me that, that nobody plans to do something that could destroy or significantly impact your marriage, but, but the real problem is we don't plan not to. And your enemy, if you don't have a plan to stay pure, your enemy is going to make sure that you have a plan not to be impure, to learn how to be an impure person, and it will impact your marriage, and it will impact future generations. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about this staying pure, and we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. If you have your, um, actually, I didn't put it on version this week, so never mind. But you can look it up on version. You can look up the the scripture. Uh, This is one of the best passages or best verses on marriage in all of the Bible, and I want you to look what it says. It says, marriage should be honored by whom? By how many? Help me out. Marriage should be married by whom? 
That means if you're married, you honor the covenant of marriage. If you're not married, you honor the covenant of marriage. And look what it says next. And what should we do with the marriage bed? Scripture says the marriage bed should be what? Kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. The Bible says that purity matters to God and it matters to your marriage. Now, just, just another survey, and it's okay to raise your hands on this one. I'm going to tell you, this isn't a trick question, right? How many of you believe that adultery is always wrong? Let me see your hands. Not a trick question. Almost all of us. Now, 90% of your fellow Americans say that they believe adultery is always wrong. And, and that percentage has gone up in recent years. And the interesting thing about that percentage going up is, even though more people believe that adultery is always wrong adultery is increasing at an incredible rate, an alarming rate in the United States. Uh, The University of California did a study and they found from 1998 to 2008, just a 10-year period, adultery doubled in the United States. That's kind of crazy to me and it it makes me ask the question, why? Why is this happening to our marriages? And, And I've got a few possible answers. So this is on your listening guide. Number one, why, why is impurity happening more and more? Number one, because there are more temptations today than in the past. It, there's just more ways, easier ways to get in trouble. How many of you know when Facebook started? 2004 at Harvard University, and it was only for Harvard students. And then it kind of spread from there to other universities. How many of y'all remember when it was just a university thing? You had to have a .edu type, Right? 2006, it became available for anybody over 13 who had an email address, but that's just eight years. It is relatively new, and I can't tell you how many times people will connect with an old flame on Facebook and start that private message trash, or they'll start a new flame. It doesn't matter. We just do this stuff, and and bam, sparks fly, and sinful things happen, and people do stupid things. Now, is Facebook bad? Some of you are going to say yes. Facebook in and of itself is, not, is, is, is neutral. It's neither evil nor good. Some of you are not convinced of that. And it's all right. I'm, I'm kind of leaning with you sometimes. It's what you choose to do with it that determines whether Facebook is good or evil. But we have to say this is a new temptation because in the last 10 years is when Facebook has popped up and all kinds of stuff has happened on Facebook. Today, did you know, and, and actually I, I shared this with my youth group about 13 years ago, and it was the very first website of its kind then, but now they're all over the place. There are websites that will help you lie to your spouse so that you can have an affair. It will create um, receipts of places you've never been. It will, it will have confirmation. You can call a phone number, and they will answer as if they're the hotel that you're supposedly staying at. That's ridiculous to me. And if you think that's a good idea, then, then we got some serious issues. Some of the men need to take you out and kick your butt. Right? In the name of Jesus. <laughs> I wish we could do that. I wish, you know, guys were acting stupid. I wish a bunch of guys could just whoop them. <clears throat> no, we can't. We can't. We're not going to do that. But you know, I think the biggest game changer, in my opinion, is smartphones. iPad stuff like that. Because back in the day, if you wanted to get pornography, you had to know a dude whose dad had pornography stashed somewhere and the dude happened to find it and then you could look at it that way. Now all you got to be is a 13-year-old with a smartphone. A couple of clicks and you can see anything you never wanted to see 24-7. And it's impacting our society in a negative way. 
We've got to do something about that. The intensity and availability of temptation greater than ever before in history, and it's not good for society. So the first reason impurity is greater, because temptations are greater. Second, people are getting married later. Now, there's nothing wrong with people getting married later. In America, though, and, and we, you understand when I talk about America, I'm talking about the general public, and, and the general public does not follow God's standards. And in America, what happens is, as you have more and more um, dating partners, it leads to more and more sexual partners. That is not of God. God wants us to be pure. It's what we're talking about today. But when you have more sexual partners, you get married and you bring all of that sexual baggage into your current relationship. Too many people are doing married things while they're single. I love you, baby. I love you so much. You're the only one. Well, actually, you're the 17th one, but you're the only one I love today, right? And then one thing leads to another and they play naked gymnastics under the covers, right? I mean, it happens. It happens. I had, all the way back when I was in Baylor, and this was, this was in 1982, my freshman year at Baylor, a girl said, we were in a philosophy class, and she said, sometimes you just can't help having sex. And, and I'm incredulous. I'm there, you know, I'm a good Baptist boy, and, and I said, what? Sometimes you just can't help it. I said, keep your clothes on. And she said, sometimes you just can't. I'm like, Chuck Washburn, my dad, said, keep your pants zipped and nothing ever happens bad. He also said nothing good happens after 1030. And I believe him now that I have teenagers. (laughs) Get your booty in bed after 1030. (laughs) People are pretending to be married when they're not. And, and it's like, oh, well, you stay at my house, I'll stay at your house. You have a toothbrush at my house, I have a toothbrush at yours. You have a drawer at my house. Well, let's just move in together. And then we wonder why God doesn't bless us. And then we wonder why it's so difficult when we break up with those people. It's because you were doing married things when you were single. And so you do that with one, two, eight, twelve, seventeen people. And then you get the real spouse and, and, and life gets difficult. You know what you do? You do exactly what you've been training to do your whole life. You walk away. Because that's what you've been practicing. When things get difficult, we break up. When, when, when marriages get difficult, we break up. There is no such thing as commitment anymore. Because we're practicing divorce even while we're single. We're practicing for divorce. And did you know, did you know actually the number one reason why people break up in our society today, dating people? is because one person cheats on the other. Our society is setting people up, training people for unfaithfulness. And for those of you who aren't married, actually, if you're married, you need to write this down too. You don't build a life of purity on a foundation of sin. It is impossible to, to build a life of purity. It is impossible to have a pure, faith-filled marriage if you're living a life of sin. And the best way to prepare for your marriage tomorrow is to be pure today. You practice purity and it grows in your marriage. And some people are going to say, well, you know, I've messed up. I've totally blown it. Well, here's the good news. The good news is we serve a God of grace. And if anyone is in Christ, Scripture says he is a new creation. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. That's, that's where we got the name of our church was 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The old is gone. The new life has, has come. And from this day forward, you start seeking God. And, and I, I, I used to teach teenagers all the time. You can have a spiritual virginity restored to you. I believe that's scriptural. You can't have physical virginity restored, but spiritual before God. God can cleanse you, and from this day forward, you can live an honoring life and have a marriage that honors God. 
But you got to make some choices now. You can't make the choices when you're in the middle of temptation. So no matter what you did yesterday, from this day forward, we're going to seek God for a life of purity. So the reason there's more uh, adultery today, more temptation, getting married later. And then third, there's this sense of entitlement. We talked about this actually when I was in Arlington. I was in seminary uh, back in the early 90s. And I remember this lady who was going through psychology. And she said, I've, I've figured out what's wrong with, with North Arlington teenagers. They have a sense of entitlement. Well, I got news for you. It's not just North Arlington teenagers now. It goes throughout the United States. If I'm not getting my needs met in marriage, then I'm going to go find somebody else to do it. If she's not doing for me what I want, I'm going to find somebody else because I deserve it because God wants me to be happy, right? And I'm going to bow down at the false God of happiness because people all the time say, doesn't God want me to be happy? And if you ask me that question, ask me that question. Does God want you to be happy? No. Do you know God's not interested in your happiness? God's number one goal for you is your holiness. And many times you do not become holy when you're happy. I mean, read the Old Testament. When the children of Israel went into the promised land, the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, which meant it was going to have everything they'd ever want, God said, be very, very careful. Because when you go into this land, you're going to be tempted to say, we did this. And God said, when you do, you're going to turn your back on me, and I will turn my back on you. You've got to be very, very careful with this sense of entitlement, this sense of God wants me to be happy because God wants you to be holy. God says that the marriage bed should be kept pure. So we're going to stay pure in our relationships. And we're going to talk about two kinds of purity, inward purity and outward purity. First, the outward. This comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. This is, if, if this verse doesn't convict you, then I, I question whether you're a follower of Christ. But among you, he's talking to Christians. Paul's talking to the Ephesus Christians, Ephesian Christians. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a what? A hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Well, impurity here basically means poison. We don't want any kind of poison in our marriages. We don't want poison in our lives. And we're not talking about, you know, you got a glass of water and the wind blows and some pollen gets in there. Oh, I've got pollen in. I can't drink this water. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about cyanide in the water. Or did y'all hear about the lady at Dickie's, the the 67-year-old grandmother who was at Dickie's drinking sweet tea and she drank it and all of a sudden her eyes start freaking out and her throat starts burning. She says, I'm in trouble. She's almost dead. Because they had lie. Somebody had put lie accidentally, we're assuming, They'd mixed lye in the sweet tea and it almost killed her. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about some little impurity. We're not talking about, oh, my chicken pot pie got mixed with my mashed potatoes and now I can't eat it because I'm such a picky eater. No, we're talking about manure in your chicken pot pie. Now, I have these big dogs. Well, they're not mine. They, they're a neighbor's dogs and we don't get along. And they know it, and so I think, they, I think they intentionally drop these huge piles in my yard. And see, I have this little midget dog that couldn't possibly do this stuff. Besides, he's in a fence, and the stuff is outside the fence. And, and so, you know, every once in a while, you're walking across the yard, and it just gets real soft. And you slide. And it just ticks me off. Now imagine if I were to take a big pile of that and mix it with your lunch. How many of you are going to eat that? Well, nobody in their right mind is going to... You don't even want a teaspoon of manure in there, right? So why do we let poison in our marriages? 
We don't guard the doors. We invite garbage in all of the time. And we should not even have a hint of sexual immorality, not even a hint of poison. So let's play a little game. Let's just be real clear. I'm going to give you a scenario and you're going to tell me whether there's a hint of sexual immorality. So I'm going to give you a scenario. You're going to say yes. For example, if I say you're married and you have sex with your secretary or your babysitter or the cute guy who cleans the pool that doesn't wear a shirt and he has a six pack, is that a hint of sexual immorality? Okay. You're doing good. Yes is the answer. If you look at pornography while you're at work, is there a hint of sexual immorality there? If you lust after Angelina Jolie or Brad Pitt, whether you're a guy or a girl, uh, is there a hint of sexual immorality there? Yes. Okay, if you dress provocatively, yeah, check it out. Praise God what I got. And you wear stuff that's cut low and cut high and you just check me out. Is there a hint of sexual immorality there? Well, y'all got a lot quieter. Or, or some of you are like, well, um, you know, God didn't give me a lot, so I'm going to buy some, and I'm going to pump them up. And I'm not against that. If you want to pump them up, pump them up. <laughs> I don't have a problem with you pumping them up. I just don't want to see them. Keep that between you and your husband. There are things that should only happen behind closed doors. And, and by, by the way, if you finance those things and you don't make payments, do they repossess them? I just, I want to know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Pump those suckers up. Paint the barn. Yeah, I had a... <laughs> I had a pastor in a, in a, I mean, I grew up in a fundamental girls wear dresses down to the ankles. You know, you, you, oh man, this was the fundamental Baptist church. And I'll never forget the only time I was awake in a church service when I was a kid, he said, he said, because we were having a debate whether ladies should ha- wear makeup. And, and, you know, I'm like six years old and I'm going, yeah, they should, some of them. And, uh, and I'll never forget, I, I, hang on, hang on, I'll never forget this pastor who was just weird in every other way. He goes, ladies, when it comes to makeup, if the barn needs painting, paint the barn. And I was like, hey, man, you know, at six, at, at six, I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. So I'm not against makeup. I'm you being attractive. I love my wife when she dresses up and she's attractive. I think she's beautiful. But she does that for me. She doesn't do that for you. So I don't want to see your stuff. And honestly, if you flaunt that around here, you're actually causing people to stumble and you're inviting poison to come into the fellowship at New Life Community Church. And that's unacceptable. And if that offends you, Talk to Jesus, because the hand don't care. I mean, he's the one that said it, right? His word, not even a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. If you go dirty dancing with someone, somebody that you don't know when you're uh, off on a business trip and your spouse is at home, is there even a hint of sexual immorality there? Yeah. Ladies, if you're reading Fifty Shades of Grey, is there a hint of sexual immorality there? All the dudes answered. Were there any women who answered? I'm not sure. Okay, a couple of you did. I just was checking because some, as God is my witness, there are people who say, that's going to spice up my marriage. Oh, no, it's not. That is bringing poison into your marriage. It's no big deal. It is a very big deal because in God's economy, there's not 50 shades of gray. There's black and there's white. There's right and wrong. And you're bringing poison into your marriage. And God says that's wrong. I want you to see what God's word says about a sexually immoral woman 
And, and by the way, it is totally legit, ladies, for you to say, we can, this can apply to a sexually immoral man as well. It just happened to be Solomon was writing it. He's a dude, so he's talking about the woman to his son. Here's what he says in Proverbs 5.8. Keep a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. He's saying don't even flirt with that. No poison anywhere near you. You don't need to see it. You don't need to smell her perfume. He talks about that. You don't need to listen to her. You need to get far from her. And, and I love this because here's the thing. Proximity matters. When we're talking about sexual immorality, proximity matters. If you're 50 miles away from someone and you can't see them and you're not looking on your, your iPad or, or uh, what is it? What do I always do? FaceTime. I always accidentally with my ear push FaceTime and it cuts. I'm just amazing at this. If you call me and you have FaceTime, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, with my ear, you're going to get cut off and you're going to come back and say, I don't know what happened. I'm going to say, my ear is magic and it pushes FaceTime every time. Anyway, that's just totally beside. If you're 50 miles away from somebody, you can't see somebody, you're not going to be tempted by them sexually. That's proximity matter. Because look what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Some of you should memorize this verse. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. In other words, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> Get away from that stuff. Because sexual sin is a special category. Now, people all the time say, sin is sin before God. Yes, but even God says, sexual sin is a special category. You are sinning against your own body when you commit sexual sin. Not to mention you're sinning against your future spouse. Christians, you know, if you're not a Christian, you may be sitting back and going, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And actually, if you're a non-Christian, I understand your mindset. You're thinking, I can do whatever I want to with my body. But if you're a Christian, you cannot say that because God's word tells you very clearly in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Um, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have received from God? You are what? Not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And see, I hear Christians say, I can do anything I want to with my body, not and follow Christ. I can do anything I want to. It's my money. No, it's not. You read the scripture and you'll find out that it all belongs to God and he can take it from you anytime he wants to. Oh, it's my life. No, it's not. Not if you're a Christian. Go out there and try to walk across 155 when it's busy and just say, it's my life. And we'll be doing your funeral talking about how stupid you were for running out in traffic. It's my life. How is that any different than messing around sexually? Having different partners. I mean, we don't even have to talk about all the sexually transmitted diseases. Let me tell you about broken marriages that come see me on a regular basis. He's cheated, she's cheated, or they've had 800 partners before they get married. When you do that, there's no longer any intimacy and sex isn't even special. But when, when you do it God's way, sex unites you in a way that honors God and honors your marriage. Keep the marriage bed pure. Keep a path far from people who practice immorality. Don't get close to poison. Now, <laughs> you, may not, you may not agree with some of the things that I do, but I don't care. One of the things I do is I will never, ever be alone with a woman other than my wife or my children, my girls. Just not going to do it. I'm not, I'm not going to counsel. If you're in the building, I will run out the building. It's happened. Um, we, have, we have a policy that nobody is going to be in the building with somebody of the opposite sex that they're not related to. And so we just, anytime somebody wants to come up here, one of us has to leave 
because we can't do that. I will not be in the car for five minutes, five seconds with somebody of the opposite sex. I'm not, I don't counsel without their spouse present or my spouse present. It's just something I do because I want the line for sexual immorality to be so far away that there's never even a hint in my life. Does that make sense? Um, some married couples have decided not to have individual Facebook pages or they know each other's uh, passwords to everything. Um, some people, some couples I know, they're not going to watch certain types of movies because they just can't handle it. I don't watch R-rated movies because that's too much for me. My mind and my past, and see, one of the best questions you, you can ever ask is what is the wise thing to do? Based on my past, which had pornography in my past... I cannot watch that type of movie and not be impacted today. Now, maybe you're more mature than I am, but I kind of doubt it. I think that's an excuse. Oh, I can handle it. No, you can't. You're lying to yourself and you're lying to others. Uh, If you've got an accountability partner, you know, maybe you should decide not to go to Hooters to talk about your scripture memory for the week. (laughs) Two things about, about that. One, when I was in Austin and I was single... Um, they actually were building a Hooters in the mall that I lived across from. And, and as God is my witness, I saw the sign going up and I thought, what's a Hooters? And then one day all these chicks came walking out and, you know, they'd been trying out and they were in these, and I went, oh dear Lord, that's Hooters. Um, and I know of a, I know of a pastor. He's not a pastor anymore. He took his staff there for a staff meeting, went to Hooters. And, and I, Janie and I were just married, and I knew the youth minister who went there, and I said, why the heck did you go? Who's my pastor? I said, you're an idiot. I said, I wouldn't have gone. Because I don't care how good the chicken wings are. That's not what you're looking at. And it's not a pure, there's a hint of sexual immorality, am I right? When you go to those places. Um, it's just wise to make decisions that will keep you out of trouble based on, on where you are and where you want to be in the future, based on your past, what's the wise thing to do? Based on where you are right now in your spiritual life, what is the wise thing to do? Based on where you want to be. Do you want to have a happy marriage that lasts forever? Then you got to make choices today. You don't make choices in the backseat of the car. You don't make choices. You make choices right now. God, I'm going to live a life of purity and I'm going to trust you to help me. That's the, that's the kind of outward things that we're talking about. Um, but let me, let me go inward because it's not just enough to have the outward behavior right. We, we've got to have our hearts right. And I want, you to, I want you to realize that God wants to transform your heart and give you the power to do things you cannot do on your own. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. This is one, some of the first verses that I ever memorized. Uh, David is, is talking and he says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart I do not, and do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you're saying, God, I want to seek you in prayer. I want to seek you in your word so that you begin to change my heart and my mind. The more God renews my mind and the more transformed I am, Ephesians says, by the washing of the water with the word. See, the problem is we've put a lot of garbage in our minds and we've not counteracted that with the word of God. The only way I know to cleanse your mind is to replace it with God's word, which is honest truth. You start memorizing scripture, you start meditating on scripture, your mind becomes more pure and what used to attract you begins to repulse you. Why would I want to get near something that would harm my relationship with God and my relationship with Janie? To me, that doesn't even make sense. 
a lot of people put the line of sin in the wrong place. A lot of people say, well, okay, from this day forward, I'm not going to commit adultery. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's a good goal. Problem is, the line of sin is not way over there at adultery. The line of sin is not even a hint of sexual immorality. Because when you commit adultery, you've crossed at least a dozen lines before that. There starts with this innocent flirting. I heard one guy say that, um, that, that a girl, a cute girl came to work at their office and she went to get coffee one day and she said hi to him and, and he thought she was cute. Now there's nothing wrong with that. What is wrong though is he began to take his coffee break every day when she would come by so that he could spend time in her presence. He'd been married for many years. So, so the counselor said, here's what you do. If that's you, if a cute girl goes walking by and she's getting coffee, he said, here's what you do. Never, ever drink coffee again. Because your marriage is worth more than sexual immorality. I don't care how she makes you feel. It's not pure and, and you're going to get in trouble. So the line is way too far out there. We should put lines around us that... Uh, Andy Stanley, one of my favorite pastors, he has, he has the same rules about I'm not going to be with a woman. Well, he goes to this speaking engagement and, and a car was coming to pick him up at the airport. And when the car picks him up, he's totally blown away because it's a woman. And he goes, oh my goodness, I cannot get in the car with a woman. And so they're like, well, okay. And he told her, he said, it's nothing against you. It's just my policy. I don't do this. And she said, all right, here's the deal. It's going to be an hour before anyone else can get you. And you need to be there in 45 minutes. So he's like, oh no, he calls his wife and tells her what's going on. He gets in the car and he goes and nothing happens from it. But he said, my lines for, for protecting me from sexual immorality were so far out there that if I broke one, one day, it's no big deal. Does this make sense to anyone? We have to have our standards better than what the world is doing. Because I want you to see what Jesus said about lusting and fantasizing and flirting with someone who's not your spouse. Matthew 5, 28, he said, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her, where? In his heart. So we're not just gonna conform to outward behavior. We're gonna allow God to transform us from the inside out. Christ through his word is gonna transform us inwardly so we can achieve a state of purity that many of you don't even think is possible because you've never tried it. I've hidden God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. Now, when you do sin, there's, there's three typical responses to sin, to sexual immorality or to impurity. Number one is defensiveness. Number two is remorse. Number three is repentance. Defensiveness, remorse, repentance. Some people are probably feeling defensive today and you're saying, well, guys, just be guys. I had a friend of mine one time say that he wasn't going to quit looking at women in short skirts and he's been married for a long time and I just said, you're an idiot. Because you're not honoring your wife and you're not, you're not honoring your marriage vows. Well, it's not my fault. Well, if she would do this. Well, if he would meet my needs. Well, we're only friends anyway and it's none of his business. Uh, well, she shouldn't have been checking on my computer. If you're defensive, you need to, you need to listen to me right now. You have, a def- you have a rebellious spirit against God. And if you're not committing sin, you will be soon. Because you've turned your back on God. Anytime a person is defensive, it's because they're hiding some secret sin. And you need to get over your defensiveness. Being defensive is really a dead giveaway that you're screwing up. You're messing up somehow. Second response, this is also wrong, is remorse. And that's, oh, I'm I'm bad, I'm horrible, I'm never going to be good, I can't ever be better than what I was before. Or, man, I'm remorseful that I got caught. 
Not, not that I did anything wrong. I'm just upset I got caught. Well, here's, here's the thing. It, we talk about this in Celebrate Recovery. Revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. If you're carrying around secret sin right now, you're just going to get sicker and sicker. You're going to sin more and you're going to sin more. You have less power and less power. Where you get power is when you bring it out into the light. And I'm not saying you stand up here and confess it to everybody, but you need to have somebody that you confess to on a regular basis. If you want forgiveness of sins, confess to God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if you want healing, scripture says that you have to confess to another believer. And some of you are like, there's not a, not a chance I'm going to confess that to somebody else. Well, then there's not a chance you're going to get well. There's not a chance you're going to get over it until you're willing to. And you need to tell somebody that you can trust. You got to have that in your life. The only proper response to impurity or sin is the last one, which is repentance. And, and when you repent, you are broken before God and you're broken before whoever you sinned against. And some of you, I, I, know, I know there is hurt and there's pain. I know there's adultery. I know there are things that have happened in our church. And, and I'm just going to tell you that if, if somebody has enough courage to come to you and repent and confess, my prayer is that you will have God's type of heart towards them. Because it's not easy. And you need to have forgiveness. Right now, some of you are under conviction because there's some impurity in your life. And, and here's what I want you to start asking before you do that. Because this is what happens. When someone looks at pornography, there's always guilt and shame afterwards. When someone commits adultery, there's always guilt and shame afterwards. And we ask afterwards, was it worth it? No, it wasn't worth it. So we need to start asking that question ahead of time. Is it worth it to put my marriage in jeopardy? Is it worth it? Would I want to tell my church, would I want to tell my children what I'm doing right now? No. Is it worth it? No. It's never worth it. Your enemy, the devil, wants to destroy your life, so he tells you nobody's going to know, and that's a lie from hell. From this day forward, we're going to do what's right. We're going to seek God with all of our heart. We're going to learn to fight fair. We're going to hide God's word in our heart so that we might not sin against him. We are going to have some fun, and we are going to never, ever give up. Father, I pray that you would just sweep over this place in this time and your love and your grace and, and all that are under con- conviction would just turn to you in this time. And they would receive your forgiveness, your grace, your strength, and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, let's see, you, 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 you guys right here, go over there and take those buckets and throw the, that's, they're filled with ice, throw them in this, uh, this thing real quick. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Don't, don't walk around. Hurry up. Uh, so um, here's, let, me, let me finish. Don't watch them. It's ice. I'll tell you about that in a minute. We have three baskets at the back. One is our joy basket. It's where we give. You can give uh, back there. You can give online at nlccp.com. I want to thank you all for, for giving. Um, can you all handle it? All right, I need to get some men. Yeah, break them out. Break them out. Break them out. Don't just throw the bags in there. That doesn't do any good. I actually pulled the thing out a little soon for, for Tabitha. Sorry, Tabitha. So it was a little cooler than normal. Um, okay, we have a registration card bas- uh, basket at the back. Put prayer concerns on there. We always ask you to write something uh, on there. I, I want to know, on a scale of 1 to 10, where you feel you are in purity. Purity. 10 is, is man, there is, there's not a single bit of impurity in my life. 5 is, I could do better. 
three or two or one. I just want you to be honest. And I'll pray with you about that. And I'm going to pray that God will help you to uh, um, share that with somebody so that you can get well in the future. Our third basket is our bagel basket. When we're, uh, this auction that we're doing, we're trying to raise money. Have you got the picture back there? Down there at the bottom, it says pictures. We're trying to pave our parking lot out here. Right now, we have a little bit over $11,000 in our bagel fund. And so we need $78,000 to do that, to put a 30 by 30 cover drop off and, and concrete out there. So um, everything that goes in the bagel basket goes toward that. Everything from the, uh, uh, from the auction goes towards paying that off. So we're going to try to, to uh, I'm, I'm being distracted, sorry. We need, no, so we need $67,000 from the auction or whatever is given in order to have enough to do that. All right, so yesterday, uh, we're, yeah, I see her, Angela Lightfoot. I just happened to come up while Angela Lightfoot was doing her ALS ice bucket challenge. And so I'm standing there. I'm totally innocent. And she goes, and Doug Washburn. I nominate Doug Washburn. Did it just like that. And so I said, if I hadn't been standing here, you wouldn't have nominated me, right? And she goes, no. And she said, it's a God thing. I said, do not blame God because that was Angela Lightfoot who did that. So I decided to do mine a little bit differently. Um, Now, a couple of things. Number one is I'm going to do this and I'm still going to give my $10 because if you do the ice bucket challenge, my understanding is you do $10 towards ALS. And if you don't do it, you do a hundred bucks. So here's my challenge. My challenge is I'm going to do this and I'm going to do $10 and then I'm going to give a hundred dollars to the bagel fund for this. And I'm going to challenge my three people to do the same. And if you don't want to do the ice bucket challenge and you want to, you want to write $1,000, I'm okay with that to the, to the bagel fund. But uh, my, my elder friend, John Colander, I'm, I'm nominating him. My youth minister, Joe Matson, And Jeff Gillis is hiding back there because he knew, he knew I was going to challenge him. Now, if y'all want to, you can go ahead and come up here and do this with me. Um, but you don't have to. So I'm going to do that. When I'm done, y'all get out of here because I'm probably going to scream and, and act like a little girl. Are y'all going to do it with me? Sweet. That's totally unplanned. We're not leaving yet. Watch this. Okay, Joe, you're supposed to be doing this, but I see you got busy. Uh, well, everybody stand up. Stand up. Okay, uh, yesterday was Doug's 50th birthday. Okay. So, John Colander, bring your wet self over here just a second. Yeah, come and, come and grab a mic, John. <laughs> uh, we're going to sing happy birthday to Doug. 
We want everybody to stay. There's cake and ice cream sure. out there. Um, so there's plenty. So everybody stay. There's a little bit of a gift for Doug. Uh, there's about a 19-minute video. It just gets better, people. Okay? <laughs> and so uh, 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 make sure that you take a look at the DVD cover because uh, I may need to raise money for my LS $1,000 selling those DVDs when we get done. So John, come Let's go, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Doug, happy birthday to you, punk.